Welcome to the Call to Build podcast. This is episode 10. In this episode, we're going to be talking with Michelle Nieder about how it was for her following God into her calling, how it didn't always make sense or feel great, but how being on this side of things, she sees how God was working everything together for her good and his glory. So welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today, I have a special guest with me. Michelle Nieter. She has been passionately equipping audiences in the community, church, and school, and her private practice office setting for 20 years. You can find her articles published in Parent Life magazines and on the Mops blog. She's currently working with a publishing agent on a book for parents, equipping them to engage in uncomfortable conversations with their children. She's also been married to Drew for 15 years, almost 15 oh. years. Yes, actually, you know what? That must be an Obaya. 16 years, 16, 16 years, years, almost so. 17 years. We're just and every year right counts, right? That's so. right. Every year counts. Every happy year counts twice, I always judge. There you go. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they have two children who they adore. And she just loves inspiring readers and audiences alike to discover solutions for life with practical teaching and biblical wisdom. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. So I'm really excited to talk to Michelle because she has a lot of wisdom, not only in what I kind of want to do in speaking and teaching, but also just in the psychological <laughs> counselor way, which I think is, I mean, I also love that side of things. So I'm really excited to talk to her. And, but most of all, you have two very clear tracks that you are going down. And so I just wanted you to tell us your story. Like, how did you know what you were called to and kind of tell us the journey that the Lord's taken you on in this? Okay. So I'm going to kind of tell you where I've ended up right now, and then we'll go back and kind of like, so that you can see how you can't see it. But then when you look at where I am now and you look back, you can totally see what God's doing. Although I was like, so weird the whole way through. <laughs> so right now, and I feel like these aren't separate tracks to me. And I, maybe I should okay. explain how I got to this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've been a licensed professional counselor for tw over 20 years. I've worked in private practice setting. I've worked in a psychiatric facilities. I've worked for nonprofits. I've run a church counseling center and been on church staff, kind of um, working with small group ministry. But then I became a school crisis counselor and I really loved that job a lot. I love kids and I'd been a previous youth minister. We'll kind of go through all that. But right now where I'm at is I own a counseling center. We have, I think I have about 20 staff right now. It changes all the time. So I have a hard time keeping track of numbers. <laughs> That's my, my assistant director's the numbers woman and I'm kind of the builder. Okay. And so, um, running a counseling center and I just have become so burdened for the kids in our culture. I feel like their bodies are fighting against them. Their minds are fighting against them. Our culture is fighting against them with the comparison of social media that none of us had to grow up with. And I can't hire enough staff and build a big enough practice to accommodate the demand, especially for high quality solution focused therapy with a really outcome based treatment plan and having a faith based component if the parents want it. We just, we have a ton of demand after school demand. It's crazy. So I, I really felt burdened to get this, the messages that we've got going on in our offices out of the office and out to the culture. And I had been speaking, I was a competitive speaker in 
high school. I'd been speaking for 20 years in to women's groups, parents groups. I mean, if you want me to come speak and you're willing to make it somewhat reasonable for me to get there, I will come talk to you if I have time to do it. Wow. And so that, that kind of was allowing me to reach more people than just, you know, the 20 counselors in our, at that time we had three locations. As I began to work in the counseling center, not only on with my own clients, but also with you know, supervising all these therapists and training them and their clients, parents are in shock when their kids got a panic disorder or have been cutting themselves or have severe depression. And the kids are unprepared for what they're facing or what they're facing the side of friend. And so it became just a desire of mine that has led on a crazy journey, which we'll come back to, to begin to write a book and to begin to speak more beyond summits and all this crazy thing that exists in our world, just really to spread that message further to equip parents to be able to introduce the topic of mental health to their kids. I think we're getting better as a culture. Like I saw more activity on world mental health awareness day than I've ever seen in my life. Like last year, I don't even think anybody really talked about it, but yesterday was World Mental Health Day and I just saw a huge change in the drive towards that. So I think we as a culture are becoming aware of this. I think this is becoming more of a trending topic, but I'll be honest with you, it also concerns me. While I think anybody can speak to their own experience about mental health, I see a lot of people getting out there wanting to help other people with mental health who have not gotten the education the training, the supervision that we professionals have. And I think it's great if you want to take care of your own mental health and kind of share your journey. But when you start trying to tell other people how to do that, I'm getting a little concerned because, because it's a trending topic. Now I'm just seeing it everywhere and, and everybody wants to become a mental health coach. And that does concern me. We have ethics to answer to. We have boundaries to answer to, and we don't tell you to do it our way. We give you like, thousand different ways that you can approach this that might work for you. And it's a tricky dance because mental health is complicated. It's integrated with physical health. It's integrated with spiritual health. There's just a lot of factors. And if you create a simplistic answer, if there was a simplistic answer, one of us would write a book. It'd be a national bestseller. We'd be done. But that's not the way this life works. So I want to go back now and tell you how it started. So that's where I am right now. And I do have a publishing contract right now. I've got a book, not about mental health, but kind of laying the groundwork for mental health coming out in September of 2020. But going back, as a 16-year-old, I was on a very different path. I was an honor student, had a full ride to college, was going to be a hotshot attorney, make a lot of money, (laughs) maybe be a judge someday. I I still had this passion for kids and families. And I noticed that God birthed that in me a long time ago. Um, Maybe a family court judge someday. I saw all the injustices. And ironically, I now work with high conflict divorce as a mental health professional. So I work with the judges and the lawyers now. But that passion, so God found a way to weave that passion. But I did not want to give that up. That was a wrestling match like no other. For me to be called to ministry, I thought, I'm going to be poor. (laughs) I'm a woman. It it was super tough. I mean, this was in the 80s. Women and ministry, they they married ministers. They weren't ministers. And I really faced that. I went on to be a ministerial student at Baylor University, religion major, took Greek, all, you know, all those classes. And, you know, the boys were all like, what are you doing here? And the professor was like, which one are you dating? And I was really offended. I was kind of like. Yeah. So then in the process of being in ministry, I worked for Louis Giglio in college as a volunteer. 
Um, I, I had some really amazing experiences. I went to England and did mission work with him. I had a really huge gift a pastor gave me where I came into a, a local church and every two weeks somebody went on vacation and I filled their spot. How cool is that? I got to try out different ministry positions. It really wasn't that great though, because by the time we were done, I kind of told him the only job I might want is yours and no church is going to let me have it, you know, at this point. So I'm really stuck in the, and he said, well, what about the other jobs? And I'm like, they're not discipleship and teaching. A lot of these jobs are administration and events. And while I'm gifted and can do that, I didn't give up a law career making money to like plan events you know, and push paperwork around in an office. I might as well do something else than do that. And, and I even struggled with staff who, when I would go one-on-one with the kids, like when I was a youth minister and I'd be like, they'd be like, why are you leaving the office in the middle of the day? I'm like, the kids are at the swimming pool and I'm the youth minister. I think I should be at the swimming pool. And that just wasn't supported back at that time. The expectation was you spent time with the kids in the little slots, you know, like on Wednesdays and Sunday nights and Sunday mornings. And to me, that didn't, that just didn't seem to be the way I felt wired to work in ministry. So then I realized that counselors get to sit one-on-one with people and work with them about their problems. I'm like, well, that sounds like discipleship. That sounds interesting to me. So that's how I began to take my theology background and get a master's degree in counseling. And I actually was a TA at one of the Bible colleges and taught at a seminary, still using my teaching gifts. Um, I'd even taught high school for a while. It was part of the requirement of my full ride at Baylor. I was running the church counseling center. I was speaking quite often. I was traveling nationally. Um, Back then, speakers, you you didn't have all this blog and internet stuff. So I did have like a really funny looking, I've seen Crystal Payne's and Dave Ramsey's first um, websites and mine look a lot like that. Um, We all used Publisher and we like (laughs) sent it up to the web through all these different systems. And, um, the way you got booked to speak or write, you had to go to a writer's conference. You had to attain an agent. There was no other way to get attention. There, self-publishing meant you printed stuff out and you had staples bind it. I mean, that was it. That was it. And, um, and I was contributing to books back then that were being nationally published, but I'd also had a wise mentor that said, don't write too young. You may regret reading what you've written. That's out there for a long time. I think that's changing too. I think I would encourage people to write younger now because even if you don't like everything you said, that's okay. In this day and age with the way publishing works, that book's not going to be along for around forever anyway, especially if you don't like what it said. Probably most people won't either. <laughs> it's not going to last for eternity. But um, so I went from there and then the church split and it was super ugly. The church I was on staff on, um, I was basically offered the opportunity to take my boss's job and betray him or to step down and be silent and be fired basically. So it was just really ugly. I needed, I have had a lot of counseling and ministry retreats and stuff to kind of move past what all happened during that time. And I tried to go back on church staff. I interviewed, I had a great opportunity in Northern California as a women's minister. And when I got out there, I just quickly realized I'm not going to be able to do this. I can't trust these people. (laughs) I don't trust them any further than I could throw them. And I've got to heal more before I can do this. But you know, when you're single and you're 27, you need a J-O-B of some kind. So I really started thinking, what could I do? 
And it just seemed natural. And, and again, you just, now I see the weaving of all this to go back to the schools. By then I had all but nine hours qualified to be a, a certified school counselor. Okay. So I found this job where the kid, a kid had hung herself three days before school got out, died the day after school got out. And they were not going to hire your average school counselor for that position because these kids were going to reenter a school building with that kind of trauma in their lives and that kind of loss. And so they were looking for a clinician who also had an educational background and would behave because school systems are tough. They're big systems and they require their own dynamic um, possibilities. And so I fell in love with that. I loved it. I did guidance lessons on the seven habits of highly effective teens and life strategies for teens. And I really was, I didn't realize this, but I was doing what I'm doing now. I was equipping these kids in a building to deal with mental health. And to be proactively preventing actually mental illness and building the habits and routines that can not always prevent them if there's a lot of chemical interaction there, but at least can make it easier on them and give them good coping skills. In the midst of all that, 9-11 happened. So then off I went to become a certified trauma therapist because boy, did we have trauma going on in our culture. We had kids whose aunts and uncles and parents were there in the building at the time. And we as an educational community just luckily had prepared. I already was half certified in trauma and loss for children, but we realized we were going to need more of that in the coming years. And so began that journey. Uh, I, the guy I dated with the church split kind of dumped me in the midst of it. Cause I was, I was a hot mess. You shouldn't marry a hot mess. Who's going through a lot of trauma. I kind of jokingly told him, but I don't know how much I was joking. I'm like, forget my career. I'll just get married and have babies. I mean, we're dating. Why not? You know? And, and then I think I scared him to death, um, but he was out and I was single, but he had come back around through a series of events and we ended up engaged. And so I was moving to a new area and starting to work for a new school district. And about that time, the United States was starting a initiative because they were realizing mental health was growing in our teenagers mm. to have crisis counselors and support counselors under safe and drug free schools on the, on the campuses. And so, um, my job was pretty tough when that evolved from school counselor into that position. I serviced a school district of 13,000 kids. I supported the school counselors for the entire district. There were over 20 at the time. That district's grown since then. Um, and then I also reported directly to the assistant superintendent and could go into any situation where there was a crisis emergency. I became responsible for the anti-bullying legislature as well. And then also addiction issues. Like I had to train teachers on how to spot potential addiction so we could start servicing kids better. Wow. And so I realized very quickly that I was in over my head on the job. So then I had a couple of um, counselors come to me and they wanted me to train them. And so the district decided to get me um, certified as a supervisor mm -hmm. so I could have a team working underneath me. And I fell in love with that concept. I fell in love with being able to pass on the legacy I could see of all this knowledge that had been invested in me and wisdom and experience. And I wanted to share that with other mental, like upcoming mental health professionals and school counselors. And at the same time, reach more kids. I mean, it just became a dream job. Um, unfortunately I had some trouble getting pregnant due to probably all the cortisol running through my body from that job. <laughs> you know, my, uh, fertility specialist did not think high crisis counselor and like fertility were a good combination, but we were very blessed and able to get pregnant through that process. But I did kind of come to a place where I realized that probably, you know, wearing a back then you wore, um, a Blackberry where it beeped. 
And being that on call to a school district and the stress of all that would probably not make me the best mother to small children. I just didn't think for me personally, I know some women do this and I admire them so much, but I just felt like I wanted a different balance. Um, At that time I was in private practice. I was just doing like eight hours a week after school because my husband traveled and so I'd get bored at night. So, you know, if you're bored, you might as well go help more kids. So, um, and I took care of myself too. I, I want to, you know, definitely model that balance. I was working out on the other days and doing things like that. But a group of counselors at that point in the district um, found out that I was probably not returning. And they asked if they would consider like me training them for their, their state licenses as professional counselors, not just school counselors. And so out of that, a practice grew and it just kept growing. I mean, I kept thinking people get trained and leave, but nobody, nobody left. They renegotiated their rates, but with me, but they just kept staying. And so we would run out of office space and then somebody else would come along who would want to be trained. And I wouldn't say no to them because I thought I was called to that. And so it just kept growing and growing. And that's kind of where we are now. We have, uh, I did open up a second location again. I kind of shut that down when I got a contract with my publishing agent because I, you can't do all things at the same time. Right. I don't think that's realistic. And, and I did not have the support in place for that. And then on top of that, right after she and I signed the contract and through God's providence, I also shut down some of those centers. We found out that my sister-in-law and her husband both had cancer with three small children. Mm-hmm. And so I had a different role to play in our family of just supporting their family as we lost both of them, leaving behind those three kids. So we got to experience trauma and loss in a whole new level. And, and hit my husband's mother kept saying, thank God, one of our kids married a therapist, you know, <laughs> in the process. So, um, cause there was a lot to be dealt with on the grief yeah. side of that. So that's kind of, that's kind of how it all evolved to where it is now. And, um, it may sound, it's kind of weird. Cause when you look back, doesn't it all fit? Yeah. But it didn't look like it fit when I had to go take a scholarship at Baylor to teach. I was like, I don't want to teach school. I want to be a counselor. Yeah. But I couldn't have been a school counselor if I hadn't taught. It's a requirement yeah. for school counseling. Yeah. And I, when I was talking to Michelle yesterday, I was saying, you know, we always hear that God works everything for the good of those who love him. But it takes sometimes a few years to see all that good starting. Or decades. <laughs> decades, Yeah. And so I think it's just, it's awesome to see someone who's a little bit further along to say, you know, none of that probably made sense as you were going through it. Like, this, this seems like so far from where I thought I was going. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, what advice would you give y- your younger self if knowing what you know now? Don't overreact to the doors that shut and don't um, be surprised by the doors that open. And just have the confidence to know that God really does have this. And he, I'm going to get emotional. And he really has you. And none of it kind of makes sense is that you're going through it. You know, um, teaching in inner city high school didn't make a lot of sense when I wanted to be a counselor. Um, you know, being in a seminary and having a dream job that I didn't even think was possible for a woman and then losing it didn't make a lot of sense either. But I'd never been in the school districts and I never had the opportunity. And I now can get in there because I've been there in a different way. Um, Just trust it all that it may be really hard at times, but it's really going to work for good. And it might even be used for you to be able to do something you couldn't have done otherwise. And you will definitely be a stronger person for it all. Yeah. I mean, I think Michelle's just a good example of, because I find that a lot myself too. Like, really, Lord? 
like this makes no sense in these seasons like I did an episode of, of seasons and every season has to precede the next one no matter how much we wish we it was summer all the time <laughs> around and no shoot. harvest I heard you talk I'm like harvest give me the harvest yes right. absolutely yeah but like all those years really was about you plowing that field and planting those seeds or the Lord really was doing it you didn't you were just like going through life and obeying him with the next thing that came and I think sometimes we freak out like, I need to control this. <laughs> no. Yeah. no, I don't think we need to control it. I will say this. I think we're becoming a culture mm. where we just want to walk in magically to a place that takes years of preparation and education and paying your dues. I clocked 3,000 hours underneath a supervisor for a couple of years and had to answer for every session that I did and recorded videos of my interactions when I wanted stuff like that. I've been in speaker training since I was 16 where, you know, I had to record myself and critique myself. So while there can be some natural gifting and definitely God moving, I think God uses both his power, but also I want to say to people, don't, don't just think that it's like, if you just show up, it's going to happen. You, you got to do the work he's calling you to as well. Yeah. I think that's really important. And, and I think it's because like we always say like, oh, you look like you're an overnight success that in, and you know, it took a 20 years, right? Like to get yeah. to become an overnight success. And I think that's what, because in social media land, we look at people, you know, doing and walking in their calling, but we don't know the grind that they've been putting in for years and years and years. And I think like we like compare our um, behind the scenes to someone else's highlight reel and think, well, why is it not happening for me? Well, grind it out a little longer, <laughs> you know? Well, and I think that's where you really treasure small beginnings because those small beginnings, if you continue to walk in those it, in, in a real, like with God and, ex, and looking for where you're experiencing him, I love that material still to this day, experiencing God. Uh, and then also walking in community with direction and wisdom and then doing the hard things, you know, a lot of people were like, how do you walk into a speaker's writer's conference and get a contract with a publishing agent? Well, you're an expert, you know, or you've been growing your community for years and years and years, or you've already had a bunch of little books that did a little bit and a little bit and a little bit, and now it's time for a bigger bit. Right. All right. And kind of just being faithful in the little bits mm-hmm. along the way. Okay. All the time, all the time, even when you'd rather take a nap, I say to my own self <laughs> very often yes. or even when you'd rather go for me, play with your girlfriends that this has been a tough season for me because I have booty in the chair syndrome. I don't like to put mine in it unless I have another human in front of me and mm. writing to lots of people is important, but it's hard for me to do as a an extrovert who really, and you and I talked a little little bit about this, like I'm a big fan of better together. And I like to be in community with other people in ministry. And I mean, some people dread those speaker conferences because they're introverts and they're like, Oh my gosh, that's too many humans in one spot. And that (laughs) to me is like an overgrown slumber party on steroids. Give it to me all the time, girlfriend. And I have a friend like you, (laughs) but I need someone who, you know, like is like that. Cause I'm like, And I'm like, I want to bring the joy. I want to encourage them. And I want to learn from where I'm at. And I want to meet people who are running in my lane and running beside me and running in front of me and learn from them and then running behind me and teaching them. I think that's all a part of 
any type of work we do. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I don't know you very well, but following you on social media, I like just want to take a note from your book in that you are so encouraging to every person that you know. Like you're always sharing other people's work. You're always like saying, this is great. The book birthdays, all of that. And I, I think we get in a little bit of a place in our society now where it's like, like if that takes away from me, then I'm not going to do it. And I love your mentality of we're, we, there's enough room for all of us. And like, let's conquer this together. And could you talk a little bit about like your mentality with that? Yeah. And that, that's really, you know, I wouldn't have a book deal with a huge national publisher on my own. I don't have the platform for that. Uh, that's a yucky word, but I don't have the reach. Let's use that word. I don't like the idea of being up on a stage, but, I, but you do have to be able to, I mean, if you're, if you write a book, you gotta be able to sell it to somebody, right? Like they don't, they want that. And so, um, you know, part of being better together and, and supporting one another is my book contract really came from, I felt very led to come beside another author who had been a small group leader of mine at one of the conferences and say, Hey, you've got this book for tween girls coming out. And these books usually don't do very well. And I've got a tween girl and I want, I want these to continue to be around. So you need to be able to sell enough books that that keeps happening. How can I support you? Um, can, and I like to do things like run book launch teams and I like marketing because I've been marketing a counseling center for over 20 years. It doesn't grow on its well. I think God grows it a lot on its own, but there's still some things that need to be done. Yeah. And so, um, that book became very successful. And so when she was ready to write the next one, she asked me if I would be interested in coming alongside her and actually not only contributing to supporting the, you know, the next book in a marketing dynamic, but also actually contributing the message that I have to girls to the book. And that was exciting and, and a great experience. And I just think, and now it's kind of crazy. Like because mental health is becoming such a big deal. Like people go, Oh, I didn't know you'd write a book with someone. Will you write a book with me? And I'm like, girl, I'd write a book with anybody. Cause it's way more fun. Like it is half the work twice as much fun. You have somebody to bounce your ideas off with without feeling like you're bugging them. Although I am very fortunate, as you know, I have a sister who also speaks and writes and we talk every morning. I'm, you know, people would pay to talk to her. I think she's book, what's she on book 10 or something? I don't know. Anyway, um, she, she likes to write, she can write and write and write. And so I do have somebody who gets what I'm doing, but it's different. Like, I don't want to even bug her all the time. Like she's under a deadline right now. She is cranking something out this morning. And if I need to bounce something out, having a co-author to think through those is just amazing. And Lynn and I really came to this place, Lynn Cowell, who's my co-author, because we were trying to reach the same audience. So why would we both crank out something individually when together we live in different areas? We have totally, we don't have as different personalities as I thought we did as we've gotten to know each other, like on a deeper level, but, but we have some differences in our personality. She's very precise. I'm a little chaotic. Um, she loves people, but she needs a break. I can go a long time, right? <laughs> people without taking a break. Yeah. Um, so we have some differences in the way we work. Um, she likes, she is not a procrastinator. And so you know what that makes me, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but she's good for me because I don't want to stress her out. So I'm getting stuff done way faster than I would have done on my own because I care about Lynn and I know that my dragging things out will stress her out and I don't want to do that to her and I have respect for her. So it's actually been really good for me. I don't think, I mean, we're, we're almost, we're several, 
several weeks away from the publisher's deadline. And I think I have 300 words to write today and we're done. It's all ready to turn in. So Lynn works on a totally different timeline. We have people now looking at it for PR and marketing purposes. And, you know, I just think I would have found other things to do. And I would use my thumb as an excuse. <laughs> I, I hurt my thumb this week. And so I have an infected thumb. And I'd be like, oh, it hurts too much to write. But it doesn't hurt too much to write if I can finish these 300 words and Lynn and I can be done. Like it's, yeah. it's different when you have a partner. So I love it. I, I don't think other than uncomfortable conversations. And if God sends me a really well-established mental health professional who gets it, I would write beside them instead of, even though this is my idea on my own, because, but what's amazing with Lynn and I, this is the other thing I think in partnership, we both like my next book after uncomfortable conversations was on th this theme of loved and treasured. I didn't know if it'd be for tween girls, but she and I had this, God was working in both of us with the same ideas. We had similar files of scriptures and material. It was crazy when we talked. Uh, so this came easy for both of us to write because both of us had, we had read the same book when I was in college and she was just out of college called The Father Heart of God. And it had so impacted our lives. It's by Floyd McClung that we wanted to take something like that and translate it into this culture for this group of younger girls and we both had that same idea how crazy is that is so other than God you know and then it just flowed so easily at that point okay so this is all really good and I'm I could talk to you forever I think about this stuff but <laughs> what is something that like a piece of advice that you would for people who maybe are towards the beginning of their journey what would you tell them first of all I would say it depends on what you want. Like if you want to be a speaker, then you need to be speaking. And I think a lot of people want to travel and speak like they, and they want to speak to large crowds. You know what? I still speak to mops groups of 12 and there is, there is value in that. There's tremendous value in that. And that message that I, so I would say, if you want to do something, start doing it where you can do it. Right. If you have never taught before and you want to get up on a national stage, you need to be teaching a Sunday school class <laughs> right. and going to conferences for those Sunday school teachers, learning how to teach well, how to design lessons well, how to present well, how to manage a group well. I mean, I cannot tell you, I mean, you know, I'm like a, a geek and a kind of a nerd. I'm, I'm reading like 12 books all the time. That's why I'm always recommending books. And so I think you equip yourself well for what you want to do. And I think if you're faithful in that, there's so many scriptures about reaping what you sow and things like that. But if you're faithful in that, people are going to start recognizing just your talent, your expertise, your skill. Yeah. I think that all goes together. So what I would say is look around and look where you can contribute now and continue to grow in your skills and developing those. I'm, I'm really working. I mean, I was an English major. I was like in an honors program at Baylor and I taught English like grammar and all that. And I taught senior English and I we taught fresh together. That's crazy. I know it's crazy. Um, how that works. I was a journalism student in high school. I've written for newspapers. I've done a yearbook in high school and stuff like that. But that's like 20 years before. And I can't write on that. Like I went to a great children's book writing retreat and I learned about how to develop a character, which for a nonfiction writer, it's not the same level, but if you're telling a story in nonfiction, people need to relate to that person 
that you're talking about. And so there is some of that that is important. So I would say keep working on your craft. I've had writing coaches. Um, I have editors. Don't think you can do it all right. either. And, and this is what I would say too. I mean, I, I just was on the faculty at both Speak Up Conference and She Speaks Conference. And I worked one-on-one -on -one with a lot of women. And what I told them is, you also can't do everything at once. I love your message of seasons. So in this season, what's one thing you could do right. that would help you reach people more? And that's the question I ask. I ask that this almost every week. Like I worked with my virtual assistant this week and I decided after four years, it's time to get an email out to the people on my email list. Um, Cause I don't like bugging people. And I feel like if you want to find me, you know where to find me, but sometimes we're busy. And like, I just did this marriage summit on being married to mental health. And I wanted people to know, Hey, it's out there and it's free, but it's only for like 48 hours free. So if you want it, grab it. Okay. And I gave a free handout with it. So in times like that, I care about my email friends and I want to let them know what I'm doing because not everybody's on Facebook and social media. And even then sometimes they won't show them even when they're there. Yeah, yeah. So I did that. And to me, that was answering the question of how could I reach the most people? Okay. I might have a, the same question and God give me a totally different answer yeah. next week. Yeah. If that makes sense. And be willing to let the answer, do like that. Yeah. And sometimes the answer is like, I really think this weekend the answer is, Get off your electronics, reach your kids, yeah. spend time with them. You know, we're on a holiday weekend here in Texas. And so sometimes the answer is in order to do more, we need to rest and restore. And then I see the doors open and I see movement and things that I couldn't have made happen by working the extra 10 to 12 hours. I, I so burdens me when I see moms doing this blog stuff and they're like up at two o'clock in the morning. I'm not sure that's dedication. I mean, I respect it in a way, but in a way, I'm not sure, like, let's trust God to do some of that work and he may provide opportunities. I can just tell you in my own life and my sisters, look at both our stories. Yeah, like yeah. we didn't really follow the rules of like, you do this and then you do this and then right. you do this. I think there's a big piece of this that you're faithful in your, in your health and your spirituality and your family and, and and God raises you up if he needs you. And I'd be okay with him not raising me up. I'll be honest with you, Ashley. I know a lot of people want this and I coach them when I'm at these conferences, but this comes with a great price. Right. It comes with a less privacy. It comes with a lot of expectations. It comes with additional obligations. And if you struggle with people pleasing, sometimes you feel torn by that. Um, I think that's good it for comes, people to, to, to consider as well. Yes. And let me say this. The biggest cost to me is I know what it's like to be all the way up on the top of the wall, traveling nationally, contributing to things, and to have the enemy take you down as hard as he can. And I will tell you what's given me great caution here. And that is I am now bringing kids with me up on that wall. And it is still hard for me to trust God enough because the enemy has come after them. My daughter's had like... Broken arms, broken legs. I mean, stupid stuff that doesn't make sense wow. that happens. And we got her more prayer cover and it got, it went away. So there are times I think wow. where there's a, I, I love that Steve Camp song. Oh my gosh, I'm so dating myself, but it's called consider the cost. And it's consider the cost of building an army, consider the cost of being up on this wall. And if you're called to it, I mean, like, I don't think I have a choice completely, but I want to do what I'm called to do. And I know that I want to, um, 
I want to honor the people who have are, have invested in me, are investing in me, wow. that God is choosing to do that. Wow. But but this longing for this, I, I, there are names I'm not going to throw out, but when I talk in my circles, we don't want to be blank who travels with the security guard. <laughs> and And you know what I'm saying? I mean, yes, that looks like a glamorous, wonderful lifestyle, but that comes at great cost. Right, right. Great cost. That's so good. I'm so glad that you brought that up too, because it, it it helps all of us realize like it's not just what you see. Like there's so many. No, like, no. When I worked for Louis, I will never. One time we were in an elevator somewhere, and um, there was another guy with us that is very much an extrovert like myself, and I'm sure Louis wouldn't even remember this. But Louis is an introvert, and so this whole people around him all the time will drain him. Okay. And he told me, "Do not make eye contact with anyone." <laughs> today when you are around me because when I do that they'll look at me we'll get into a conversation yeah, they'll see right. who I'm with and then of course he's in right right, right. So, he's like just keep your head down my name was Michelle you know I mean he right. called me Holman sometimes just keep your head down okay. you know? and so um there is a great cost there is a cost of just not being able to really turn yourself off very easily yeah. in public yeah. settings and things like that and so and there's also a cost, to be honest with you, of getting full of yourself. Yeah, right. No, yep. which, yep. you know, which is like not a good the thing. The Lord might just then allow a lot of some humbling if that happens. <laughs> I would rather get my face yeah. on the ground real quick than that, yeah. than that to happen again, you know? <laughs> yeah. So there, there is also that sense of you can start believing the P, your PR people right. too much <laughs> yeah. and, and yeah. not forget that you're putting your pants on one leg at a time, just like everyone else. And Really and truly, this is where I think we get off. The woman on the stage in front of 3,000 is not doing anything different in the world of the kingdom and obedience to God than the woman who's sitting in a group of six leading a Bible study and ministering to them every week. And I think we just forget that. So good. It's so, so, so good. And it's so important in our society of being obsessed with celebrity that being faithful where we are with what we have and who's in front of us is just as important as anything else that we have you know, seeing or dream of or whatever. So to just keep plowing our fields and being faithful. And I just, I thank you so much for sharing. Like you just have a lot of insight and wisdom, obviously. <laughs> um, but I just, I thank you for being on here. Will you tell everyone where they can connect with you further? Yes. First of all, I would love to communicate with you. If you do social media, find me on Instagram. I, I hang out on Twitter occasionally. That's not my favorite spot. I, I'm starting to really love Instagram because I love the pictures. Yeah. Um, I love Facebook still because I am that geek who likes to share information and that information does go out on Twitter. I'm Michelle Neter everywhere. Okay. And, and if you have trouble spelling it, it's N-I-E-T-E-R-T. You can also go, I've got a parking spot called counselorthoughts.com which is easier to spell and find, but I have a website. I would love for you to sign up for the email list. If I'm in your area, I would love to come speak to your group. A lot of times if I'm coming into an area, I'll reach out to other local churches and just say, Hey, for little or no cost, if I've got the time, I'll be glad to speak to you with you. And then also, um, I've got a podcast and we'll be doing another season of that as well. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And I'm going to put all her links in the show notes so you can be able to just click right on and go over and visit her and start following her. And so thank you so much for being on today. Hey, thank you for all the work you're doing. I love what I'm seeing coming your way too. 
so that others can be encouraged in building the kingdom of God in their special and unique way. If you want to take a screenshot of your podcast app and put it up on Instagram stories, be sure to use hashtag call to build and I'm going to be shouting out others who are building God's kingdom. Thank you for being here. Now let's get building.